Hello everyone, my name is Anna, and I'm currently 24 and I'm a female. I want to start off by saying that I'm not very good at telling stories, but I'm going to do my best. I grew up in a very small town in Missouri, the kind where everyone knows everyone and if you blink you'll miss it. At the time this story takes place, I was 11 years old. I woke up like any other day and went to school. My neighbor and I, being around the same age, always walked together to and from school. On our walk home was the first time it happened. My neighbor, who we'll call Maggie for privacy, had leaned over to me and then said, We need to walk faster. And I, being the 11-year-old child not knowing any better, I went with it and thought nothing of it. We made it home and nothing more was said. Fast forward a couple of days later, and we were walking home once again, but this time was a little different. While walking down the same old streets that we usually do, I happened to glance up and see an elderly man step directly in front of his glass doorway completely naked at the exact moment we were in front of it. I remember being really scared and uncomfortable and telling my neighbor Maggie what I had seen. She went on to tell me that that's what she had seen previously, but didn't want to tell anyone. She was a very quiet person, so I can't say I blame her. Immediately after arriving home, I had called my mother on her home phone. She at the time was working for our local city hall, and she knew the police officers. She then arrived home soon after, and had a deputy come down and take my statement. That night was a bit of a blur. I remember my older brother driving over 40 minutes just to come and check on me. And I remember the police contacting my mother soon after to tell her what they had found out after talking with the man. What they had managed to come up with was that he was just a harmless elderly old man with some slight memory issues. He said the he had been taking a bath and had thought he heard a noise and then stepped out to check. Yeah, sure. And well, that was that for a little while. Life went on. But months later, it happened again. I was riding home with a different friend of mine on our bikes, and the moment we passed the house, he stepped out exactly the same as he had the first time. I remember telling my mother again and being told that we were most likely just exaggerating. This old man was clearly just senile and didn't know what he was doing. The frustration was real in my little 11-year-old head, knowing that I had this feeling of something being so off about the situation. Again, months went by without a hitch, and it began to be a distant memory in my head. Then the third and final time happened. I was now 12 years old, and I was currently in the 6th grade, and I was learning all about D-A-R-E. This will be relevant later. I became friends with another girl in my class that also lived very close to me. We can call her Lucy. On this day, we happened to be in a little spat, as many little girls do, so this day was a bit different. I made the usual walk home alone, and again, by this point the whole thing was a distant memory. While walking past the house, I once again saw the old man standing there completely naked in the exact moment that I walked past. He had locked eyes with me, and I immediately looked away. Knowing this was wrong, I began sprinting home and telling my mother in a panic that I had seen it yet again, and I was extremely worried about Lucy, as I knew that she wouldn't be far behind. My mom and I jump in the car, 
her being determined to prove me wrong about the situation once and for all. As we pulled up the street, I had saw my friend about to pass in front of the house just as we were pulling up to it. My mother looked at the house and I looked at Lucy. I mentioned her to please get in the car quickly. And in that same moment, my mother said, I saw it. Oh my God, I saw it. You are right. Lucy jumped into the car and we took her home with us and then we explained the whole situation. My mother once again called her police friend and got them to come down and we wrote our statements. The police did a follow-up at the old man's house and they found him hiding on his back stairs. Now, this is the part where it all gets a little hazy for me, but I'm going to do my best to remember. But what I assume happened is they kept him in the county jail until his court date. Now back to the reason why I mentioned we were learning about DARE in school. The officer doing the program just so happened to be the same exact officer who was involved in my ongoing case. He would pull me aside from time to time and ask me a question privately about the case. Yeah, I know, this is a bit unprofessional of him to do, but please keep in mind it was a very small town and things like this didn't always just happen. Months later, our court case was finally here. They brought in all three girls who had seen the man, me, Maggie, and Lucy, but they had let me know that I would be grilled the most as I had seen it three times and the other girls only saw it once. The moment came for me to go on the stand, and I remember being so scared to look across the room and see him. I trembled with each question until I just couldn't take it any longer. I burst into tears and I was taken out of the room. I won't go into details with the questions I was asked. The next person to go on stand was my mother. And to this day, I truly believe if an adult had not been there to witness it happen in real time, that we wouldn't have won the case. She was able to prove that his actions were deliberate and not a simple forgetful mistake. He was sentenced to one year in prison, as well as having to register his name on the list of local sex offenders. As far as I know, he's since moved out of the state. I know this might not be the most scary or suspenseful story of them all, but I can honestly say that this went on to affect me into my adulthood. And to all you parents out there letting your kids walk home from school, please be aware that if they come to you with something serious, they're telling the truth. The story takes place when I was 12 years old. My younger brother and I had just moved to a new neighborhood and had been really excited to explore it. We had liked to hang around alleyways and goof off. Mainly we would smash electronics or entice people's dogs. You know, dumb stuff like that. One of these days we went into an alleyway that we hadn't been to yet with a friend of ours who was the same age as my brother. It was small and to the left side didn't have any houses, but we decided to continue onward. At the very end, we found something worthwhile. A busted gate. We peered into the backyard, but there was nothing there. No pool, no furniture, no shed, nothing. It was just grass. We decided to walk in to get a better look, and we noticed that there's a metal gate on the back porch preventing you from reaching the door, and a security camera pointed at it. This creeps us out a little so we head back to our bikes and book it. A few days later, we were riding through the neighborhood, and we decided to try and find which house had the broken gate. 
we match it up with a house that is pitch black. The house had stuck out like a sore thumb since all the other houses were white. Of course, my mind went straight to the house from Monster House, and I started to joke around. Our friend notices the pitch black mailbox and says we should open it. So we do. Inside is a small package with mail stuffed into the sides. We noticed a white paper taped to the inside of the mailbox that has a date written in Sharpie. I don't remember the exact date, but I remember it being 1960 or 1980-something. Now, we all had started trying to explain what we think happened, and it mostly blended into some old dude that lived there and died, and that's why no one did anything about the gate. I said that it was probably some kind of meth lab, and that's why they made it seem abandoned, but they thought I was full of crap. It kind of made sense that it was a meth lab, because apparently the house's next door neighbor was a former drug addict. At least according to a kid who lived nearby, apparently his mom knew the guy. About a week later, we decide to see if the back gate is locked. It was simple. Whoever stays the longest got 20 bucks. So we ride back there and we park our bikes on the wall next to the gate. We check to make sure that no one's outside, and then we walk up to the gate. We try the handle and the gate swings open. We then look at each other dead in the eyes, then say, Should we go in? My brother suggests we look through the window first, so we do and we can't see anything since no lights are on. Our friend slowly turns the handle as if he's thinking whether it's a good idea or not. I remind him that if he runs back, he won't get paid. Eventually, we collect ourselves and we decide to go in, so we open the door and step inside. We leave the door cracked so we can easily escape and we start to creep inside making sure not to make any noise. While we were sneaking around, I then noticed a horrible smell, but I try not to assume where the smell is coming from. We stopped dead in our tracks after we hear a small crack. By now, our eyes have adjusted to the darkness, but I still take out my phone to see where the noise came from. I then shine the flashlight all around the living room, but I don't see anything. Then I look at the ground and I see that we stepped on a glass needle. Along with the needle are several tiny plastic bags. We hear a noise coming from the hallway, so we walk towards the source. We tried all of the doors, but they're locked. One of the rooms in particular had an even stronger rotten smell coming from it. Then we get to the end of the hallway, and the door opens leading into the master bedroom. We step inside, and we notice that the bathroom light is on, and the shower's running. Being oblivious to the danger, we decide to search around the room. By the windowsill is a large black case standing against the wall. I open it halfway, and my heart sinks as I then see the barrel of a rifle. I whisper to the others that we need to leave now, and just as I say that, the shower turns off, and we hear the door slide open, and with no regard for noise, we run across the hardwood floor. A man jumps out and then yells, I'm gonna shoot you! We then kick the door open and we run to our bikes, but our friend realizes we won't make it far if we try to ride away, so we hop on a dumpster and jump the wall. Immediately after we hit the ground, we hear a gunshot and the man then yells, I'm gonna call the cops on you damn kids! Stay the fuck out of here! We have to pray that he doesn't take our bikes because we can't explain the situation to our parents. 
We wave for a while, and then we jump above the wall to see if our bikes are still there. Sure enough, they are. But the man has dragged a chair outside, and he's sitting with his rifle in his lap. Now we just knew we were screwed. So we wait until it gets dark outside and walk back. We see that our bikes are now gone, but when we look inside the backyard, we notice that our bikes are against the wall. We walk in, and one by one we grab our bikes and then pedal as fast as we can the hell out of there. Fast forward about two weeks later, and we find out that the men did end up calling the cops, but when they were talking with them, they noticed the bad smell and they had managed to get a search warrant. So when they broke down the door to the smelly room, they ended up finding a body that was later identified as the previous homeowner. Apparently he had no family and he was an old man, so no one noticed when he died. They determined that he had died from being strangled and that he had apparently been dead for at least three months. As for the rifle, it was found to be unregistered and they took the tiny bags and needles in for testing, where they then found out it was indeed narcotics. After we found out about this, we never went into the alleyways ever again, and we always refused to ride past that house. Hey everyone, I need to take a small break from the stories to thank today's sponsor HelloFresh. With HelloFresh, you get farm-fresh pre-portioned ingredients and seasonal recipes delivered right to your doorstep. Skip trips to the grocery store and count on HelloFresh to make home cooking easy, fun, and affordable. That's why it's America's number one meal kit. Each HelloFresh box is packed with farm-fresh ingredients, and everything arrives pre-portioned right to your doorstep for less hassle and less wasted food. This time of the year, everyone's looking to revamp their eating habits. Look to HelloFresh's wholesome health-forward options, like over 30-calorie-smart and protein-smart recipes each week. I really like HelloFresh personally because it really saves me so much time in the kitchen, especially on those nights when I just don't really know what I want to eat or what I want to cook. And with HelloFresh, it makes it easy. You get all of the food and the recipes right there. Go to HelloFresh.com cannibalfree and use code CANNIBALFREE for free breakfast for life. One breakfast item per box while subscription is active. That's free breakfast for life at HelloFresh.com slash CANNIBALFREE with code CANNIBALFREE. HelloFresh, America's number one meal kit. To start off, I'm a 24-year-old male, and I possibly have Asperger's as I was never officially diagnosed. The story takes place when I was 20. I was a sophomore in college, and I had just moved into my first apartment with my best friend. It definitely helped my logistics with school and work, since last year I lived in a town 30 minutes away. My roommate and I were in the same classes together. Due to low grades, he ended up dropping out and moving to another city. Before he left, though, he had introduced me to our neighbors, as he was there before me. We got along fairly well with one in particular. Her name was Jessie. The three of us hung out together quite a bit when I wasn't in school. We would often watch movies together at her place and have dinner. Now, during this time, my financial situation took a turn for the worse. 
I lost my job at a piano restoration shop due to a fire burning down the shop. Later, I got a job as a dishwasher at a hotel restaurant. I only had the job for a month since the job didn't fit well with my school schedule. Later on, I ended up doing DoorDash on my bike, which was a gift from Jesse. I did this while occasionally working as a ranch hand for a friend. I was barely scraping by financially, and I lost like 20 pounds that year. I really have no idea how I managed to pass any of my classes. Anyway, Jessie was aware of my situation, and would frequently offer me food if I wanted to come to her apartment and hang out with her. Now, she was 15 years older than me, and she told me she had a boyfriend, and she knew that I carried a gun. She said that she was scared of guns, and on top of that, she made sure to tell me that she didn't want her kindness to be seen as anything but kindness. In short, I thought that I, a 20-year-old man, had nothing to worry about, but boy was I wrong. It started out with small things. She liked to play with me physically, by kicking and tickling me. She also asked me one time to come down and apply some pain relief cream to her back, to which I obliged, thinking nothing of it at first. One night while I was laying on her couch, she came and spooned me. She assured me that she didn't mean it sexually, but only that she found it comfortable. I believed her, even though a part of me just knew that something was off. Then one night she had offered me dinner for a movie night with her, as per usual. She also, as before, allowed me to drink alcohol with her when I was in her apartment. There were certain drinks that we both liked that were easy for me to forget were alcoholic, since they were so sweet, such as Bahama Mama or Sex on the Beach. So, after she had started the movie, I had started eating and drinking a lot. I remember being drunk and tired, and in this halfway state of sleeping and being awake. It was to the point where I thought I was dreaming. Jessie lied down with her head in my lap, and had interlocked her fingers with mine. Again, I was drunk and half asleep, so I shrugged it off as a weird dream. Then she had asked me to kiss her. After I didn't give her what she wanted, she had pulled my head down and kissed me. After some time had passed when I was now fully awake and the alcohol wore off, I confronted Jessie, worried that maybe it wasn't a dream. She denied all of it and just said, I'm sorry if I did anything that made you want to kiss me. Ever since that night, I never went back to her apartment again. This may not be particularly scary to some, but I find it horrifying that someone I thought was a friend groomed me and kissed me without my consent when I was vulnerable. Thankfully, she didn't do anything more that I know of. Let this be a lesson to all you young men out there. Just because you're a strong and healthy young man does not make you invincible, even to a woman. You too should establish boundaries and don't let your guard down so easily. Stay safe out there. When I was 12, my mom and I moved into an apartment that was really nice. I really enjoyed having a new place to explore, and our neighbors were all chill. The man next door who all call Richard seemed like a very kind man. He was friendly and polite, and after having lived next door to him for years, we began seeing him with a woman. I'll call this woman Jess. She was very quiet and she seemed reserved. This isn't a bad thing, 
but I also didn't really have an opinion on her because, well, I was still a kid. The story really takes off when I was 14 to 15 years old. We started to hear Richard and Jess arguing. Jess would scream at Richard outside their front door, calling him names and threatening him. We would see Richard in passing with black eyes and scars on his face. Richard was the type of guy who always wore t-shirts and shorts in all weather. He suddenly began covering himself in thick layers, and he seemed withdrawn. My mom and Jelly asked him if he was okay, but he clammed up, and he would never admit Jess was abusing him. We really thought she was, though. It was obvious. The signs were all there in full view. One evening, my mom and I were home and in the living room having a movie night. We then heard shouts and bangs coming from next door. My mom paused the TV, and we listened. It was Richard and Jess, and we both had a really bad feeling. My mom had looked out our peephole at the front door, and we ended up seeing Jess lying on the floor outside in a ball. She was clearly drunk and was wailing. We weren't really sure whether to call the cops. Jess didn't look injured, and Richard had clearly kicked her out. Well, the police ended up showing up 20 minutes later and escorting her out of the building. This became a pattern. Richard and Jess would argue when she was drunk, he'd kick her out, and then the police would escort her out. The police would interview all of us neighbors, and it was the same story every time. One day, Richard had opened up to my mom, and he said that Jess had threw him through a glass table one night. He told her that she would sit on top of him and punch him in the face, as well as scratching and biting all over his body. She was rough and violent with him every time she drank alcohol, yet claimed to be sorry the next day. Richard said that he kept forgiving her because whenever she wasn't drunk, she was apparently perfect. My mom obviously urged him to leave, but it fell on deaf ears. I know leaving abusive relationships are extremely difficult and it takes multiple attempts, so I don't want to come off like I'm judging Richard. Well, one weekend evening, the same scenario played out. Only this time, Jess was screaming that Richard was hitting her and was basically yelling as if he was hitting her in real time. Yet, when we looked out the peephole, she was lying on the ground with her legs in the air, screaming at nothing. It was truly unhinged. Once again, the cops came and she was taken away. The wildest thing that ever happened was this next part. My uncle was visiting from another country, and it was Sunday. Well, unfortunately for him, he just so happened to be coming up the stairs when Jess was lying in the stairwell naked from the waist down. Yeah, she had her trousers and underwear at her ankles and was leaning against the wall, legs wide open. He told us that he really saw way more than he bargained for. We don't even know why she was out there because she was silent. She must have come back drunk and was waiting for Richard or something. I don't know. The story ends pretty abruptly because shortly after this, Richard moved out. Apparently, Jess had promised him that she would go to rehab to get help with her drinking, and they were moving to get a fresh start. I still think about Richard sometimes because I really hope he got out of that relationship. I like to think that he saw Jess for what she truly is, but I guess I'll never know what happened after he moved. I just really hope that he's away from her now. Hey everyone, that's about it for today's stories. 
If you have your own story that you would like to send, you can send it in at southerncannibal.com or you can email it at southerncannibalstories at gmail.com. I look forward to telling your story. Have a good night or good day, everyone. And remember, to always.